All right, here we go. The next episode of the Musings of Dirtbag Duke. Hope you're staying healthy and safe out there. A lot of crazy weather going on around the country. So please stay weather aware and be safe wherever you are. Before we get into, I guess, the main topic today, I just uh, found this interesting um, uh, post this morning from our uh, tweet, I guess, um, from the New York Post. It's actually one of their referring to one of their articles, Uh, January 5th, 2023 by Jack Hobbs title. I was heartbroken when my wife died, so I brought her back to life for three thousand dollars. An Indian man reportedly brought his dead wife back to life after spending nearly 3000 to make it happen. Um, Tapas, I won't say his last name, 65, lost his, lost his wife in 2021 uh, during the COVID pandemic. Before her death, he allegedly told, or I'm sorry, his wife allegedly told him that an event she passed away before he did, she would like him to create a silicone model of herself to keep him company. The model, which is eerily lifelike is dressed in um, her favorite clothing and sits in her favorite spot on the couch in their living room. Well, I I guess I I have to say that um, at least it wasn't where, you know, something else more creepy than that. Um, At least it's a replica and not, you know, and not to be crass, but to, you know, somehow try to preserve her or or whatever, so at least uh, at least it's something different. According to the widower, his wife, his late wife, got the idea from statues she saw displayed at museums. Um, it was then that she told me of her desire for a similar statue of her if she happened to pass away before me. I just wanted to fulfill her wish. Said the model uh, took about six months to make and weighs about sixty six pounds. But I guess he's not the only person to ever have that done. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, this is one of them deals that I get it. It's interesting, but man, I don't know. Like, would you? I guess suppose you'd have to move her around the room from time to time. I guess, I don't know, and, and would you change the, the clothes, uh, you know? Oh, but some of the interesting things that uh, that people do. Uh, just to, I don't know, preserve, I guess, that. I don't know. I mean, it... it, it it's one of those things that it's interesting. It's kind of eerie. It's kind of creepy. But I don't like you wouldn't be able to carry, obviously carry on conversations. Um, you know, so how's that any different maybe than a picture? You know, or I don't know, a statue, but to each their own, I guess. But uh, oh, for some reason that uh, caught my eye this morning as I guess something that's uh, unique. And different. And this is when I heard this morning on the radio on, on the way in, the oldest person in the U.S. 
Bessie Hendricks dies at 115. Um, she's actually was living here in Iowa. And she was believed to be the oldest person in the U.S. And I'd heard somewhere, though, that that somebody had listed this, and I hadn't verified this, and that was my fault. My apologies. But I believe that she was the oldest person in the world. Um, at least the the uh, news, the um, the radio station, geez, the radio station said that I thought that she was the oldest person in the world, but that may not be true. Maybe the oldest person in the U.S. Oh, yeah, so we have... The oldest person uh, is Lucille Randon of France at 118. So, yes, so that, that was a misquote. I apologize. It's the um, oldest person in the U.S. And so she has uh, passed on, and I'm not sure who took over for her as the uh, oldest person in the U.S. But uh, nonetheless, interesting. Heard that this morning, and... Um, Good for her to live that long. She's seen a lot, and that's an understatement of the, of the year right there. Uh, but uh, and probably experienced a lot. But uh, nonetheless, uh, she has gone on. And the main part, I, the main thing I wanted to get to today on the podcast, uh, getting past some of the more trivial things, is. You know, I, I really was kind of, and I know I've mentioned this before and it's come up previously, but again, it was brought to my attention in some discussions this last couple of days with um, some people involved at the university level. And, you know, there's there's been a drop of enrollment going into the spring semester and the comment was was made that there was a couple of the students that were basically not able to f- to handle the the situation the scenario the pressure however you want to put it to the point of where let's just say it's it's at a point where they were basically in their in the student's mind they were at the end of the rope and they felt like they just needed to to go back home. And in general, I think there's there's not a whole. I guess there's there's not there's nothing wrong with that. the The idea maybe of of being homesick is not new. And yes, granted, some students or some people don't handle that very well, being away from their families, and. That's, I mean, I guess that's kind of understandable. Or if college life is not for you or you don't know what you want to do, yeah, go home. Get a job, figure things out, and see where you want to go. But where my concern lies, and, and, and I think I've touched on this before, is this idea of not being able to function when in normal life circumstances, like to me, college life, Granted, you know, being in my mid, near my mid fifties, yeah, I've seen a lot, done a lot, and so comparison, yeah, that's it's 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 a lot easier when you look think about college life. Um, but yet, the idea of them being so unprepared 
to function outside of out of their homes is bewildering and, and puzzling and, and difficult for me to comprehend. And I started thinking about like where is this coming from? And it's and it's the blame, I think part of the blame, I think goes on my generation, Generation X. And because they're the ones that are raising these uh, offspring, they're the ones that are creating this, I guess, cocoon, you can say, or the sheltered life for them. And I don't know why that is and where that came from because we weren't raised that way. And maybe that's why, maybe that's part of it. But the idea that, you know, like I remember I, I had my first job, actually, I was thinking, and I talked, and I talked about this before and, I, and it just came to my mind is that I was actually working when I was my first job, I think it was like 11 or 12, maybe, uh, you know, newspaper route. And my brother did help me with it, but you know, I was the primary on it and I did all the collecting. So, you know, back then, man, you didn't have auto payment. Um, and it was, and it wasn't that expensive. So it was easier just to go door to door each month and, and collect. And, and I had to deal with, you know, people that were difficult, that were basically jerks to you, you know, disrespectful or just being rude. And you had to deal with dogs and, and everything else and weather, you know, rain and snow and and cold weather. And, so to me, that was, you know, that was an inner, you know, you, you dealt some of those customer service skills and, and dealt with issues if their paper was missing something or if it was um, destroyed or got wet or whatever, then, you know, you had to work through that. Or if you accidentally forgot somebody, then you had to make that, you know, make that right and take care of that. And then more of a regular position when I, when I started, you know, uh, turn 14 or not right at it, but that summer that I, that I was 14. And so it wasn't anything unique. And I'm not the only one that many of my friends and many people that I met along the way were, were working at four, you know, 14, 15, 16 and, and on up, you know, some of my friends worked, you know, pretty much year around. They had a part-time job when they were in school and, and some of us just worked during the summers only, but yet we were still working. And I think that's where um, those of us that have developed a good work ethic learn that stuff. And I, le- and I learned that from my, you know, also working for, with my old man and going out on jobs with him. Again, when I'm 10, 11, 12 years old and, and, and doing the, some of that manual labor with him. And so I think maybe that part of this issue is that maybe that our, the Generation X work so much that they didn't want to see that for them. They felt like they missed out on something, missed out on their teenage years. But I, I can't say that I did. And I don't think many of the, my friends, uh, many our cohorts would say the same thing that they didn't like you still, you had that, you had the work world and then you had your, still had your teenage things to do on uh, evenings and weekends. And again, if you didn't work year round, um, then, you know, you still had it that opportunity when, when it wasn't, uh, when you were working. So it, it just, it's confusing to me that, that we want to insulate as the generation X wants to insulate, uh, their kids, their children, or their, you know, teenagers or whatever you want to say so much and do so much for them 
that once they get there outside of that cocoon, outside of that nest, then they freeze up and they can't, they don't know how to function. And it's scary. And it's sad and it's, um, it's alarming because these are the generation, the next generation that's going to be coming in and, and supposed to be filling in some of these positions and opportunities that are, that are available and, and being contributing to society, jumping into the workforce. But I don't know exactly if that's going to be the case if they're living in their parents' basement. And that's not hyperbole. I think, I think that's the, the case for many of them. Because again, if, if they can't function in a collegiate setting where it's still pretty much, or there's still some um, structure to it, you know, and you know, you're pretty much going to your class, or you're, or you're going to you know to your meals and whatever, and, and then to expect them to function outside of that on their own is, I don't, I think it's too much to ask. And I, th- I think there needs to be some definite changes in this. And we need to get the message out to our friends and family that, that are raising kids that are, you know, in their uh, teens and um, even below maybe that, that we don't, don't, don't coddle them so much and, and do everything for them. Because all we're doing is creating problems and issues as they get older and get out there, quote unquote, on their own. And I know I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again, like to hear that, that so many of them have not held a job prior to, to getting to college is m- kind of almost mind blowing to me. It's kind of shocking to have, at least to have some kind of a job or some kind of responsibility prior to coming to college. I think that's part of that growing up process. And so many times, then when they get that first job, whether it be on campus or, or somewhere else, man, they have so much to learn. And the, the idea of, of resolving some kind of a conflict, and I don't mean like, like physical conflict, but some kind of an issue, a customer service issue, or some kind of a, a conf, quote unquote conflict is, is scary to them. And they, I think it paralyzes them to the point where they, you know, they panic and they have panic attacks and then they have... Um, more harmful thoughts towards themselves, and it's it's a, it's scary. And and I we just need to get this word out that we need to make some changes, I guess, and and how that these kids are being raised because it's it's not doing them any good. It's harming them, and it's I think it's a detriment to society as well and then you're relying on other people outside of your their your circle or their circle to try to educate them on these things and try to teach them these skills and things that that should have been already in place there at least some bedrock some foundation something to build upon and yet it's not and then they're they're failing. They're failing to get out there and contribute and be on their own. 
And the idea then, too, of many of them, because many of them just hid behind and lacked the interpersonal skills because they spent so much time behind screens on social media or, you know, sitting in the same room with their friends and texting them. And again, that's not so far out of the realm of the truth. There is some truth to that. And not having these face-to-face encounters and not having these opportunities to communicate with others. And not knowing how to handle situations when they, when they pop up. And then automatically wanting to run or to give up. To, be, to, get, to give up and be defeated before they have a chance to think about it rationally and, and make some kind of a decision to try to solve a problem. And so I'm speaking, I guess, to my generation and those um, below, I guess, as, as they're having the kids come in, but specifically Generation X that say, if you still got kids that are around today in your home, whether it be eight or 18 or anything in between, please, please don't be afraid to have them take on some responsibility to take on the opportunities for themselves. I think those are some of the best learning experiences for me was getting out there and having a job, earning income, handling that money, dealing with uh, customers, dealing with people, and understanding how the world works. And so that we can set them up to be successful, not to set them up to fail, because that's happening. It's there. They're failing. Many of them are. Not all of them. And I've said that before. This isn't for everybody. This isn't um, saying across the board that this is, has you know a problem. It's not. But it is for many. And it's becoming more prevalent. It's not getting any better, it seems. It seems like it's getting worse. Or at least staying the same. And, you know, it's, it's, it's time. It's time that we make some changes, take some responsibility. Maybe they don't work as much as what you did or I did necessarily, but at least they're doing something. They're getting out there, getting some hours in, getting some experience, real life experience, so they don't fall completely apart when they move move away, whether to be college or doing something else. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, then I guess, you know, let me know. But that's what, that's what I see. That's the eye test. That's what I'm seeing. That's the observations. And from what I'm hearing also. And I think that's, that, that's where we're at. Well, again, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe and healthy out there. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to, to listen to the podcast. It means a lot. I, I really do appreciate it. I hope you got great, some great plans and have a good time this weekend. Spending some time doing whatever it is for yourself or with your friends and family. Enjoy it. Forgot to mention that earlier. It's Friday Eve. I just, re- just realized it's Friday Eve. It's been a short week. So it's Friday Eve. Take care. Stay warm and healthy.